Most of our world has been destroyed. Civilization is in a time of great danger. Our survival requires your attention. Our survival requires your labor. Our survival requires your submission. Product must be. The product must be consumed. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. Some folks have a strange idea entertainment. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. You see, I take these glasses off. She looks like a regular person, doesn't she? Put them back on. Formaldehyde face. You? You're okay. This one? Real fucking ugly. Kind of like this podcast. But you keep coming back, so I must be doing something wrong. Or right. Or wrong. What? <sighs> Welcome back, everyone. To the Next Level Network production of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And this is episode 38. It's a listener request. I've done one of those in... God, it seems like a hot minute. But it's a listener request, nonetheless. Requested by TJ the Drummer. You can find him on Instagram under that handle. The pick he chose was bound to be an episode anyways, but hey, thanks TJ, because, you know, it kind of forces me to do it. I keep putting it off, and now I'm actually doing it. Y'all knew it was coming one day because I have a fucking quote of it in the opening theme. You know, from the film. The whole bubblegum thing. Yeah, that one. You know what movie I'm talking about. John Carpenter's They Live from 1988. But first. Because you know I always have to do this. I always have to talk about something else first. To kind of like open up the show, warm up. You know, get you all, you know, hitting the fast forward button or whatever it is I know like on most apps they have like you can go ahead 15 seconds I see a lot of you always probably you know hitting that like multiple times okay I'm rambling about nothing which I really have to maybe stop doing because okay I have a little bit of um, uh, what do we call this Uh, I don't want to call it like a corrections thing because it's well I guess I am correcting things but whatever Um, so I've done like a couple episodes where I've had it pointed out. Yeah, I'm a fucktard and I say stupid shit and I fuck things up. Like for ex- for example, the Terminator episode, I was talking about how there was like, you know, the the pre-aliens like kind of idea where there was like, you know, three or four actors that were in Terminator that were then in, 
you know, aliens and I talk, I think I said something like Rick Rossovich and all this shit because I was doing it off the top of my head. I hadn't actually researched it and I was just kind of trying to, you know, spit it out, whatever. And I got it wrong because the three actors that would later be in Aliens were Lance Henriksen, Michael Bean, and Bill Paxton, who, again, how I even forgot to mention him, it, it kind of made me realize I really should write a few more notes when I do these things. But whatever, it is what it is. I just felt like, you know, not crediting Bill Paxton, number one, and then number two, like, totally fucking up who the actors were. It was like, mm, you know what? You got to stop being a douche about this shit and actually correct yourself. You know, admit when you're wrong because fuck, we all know I'm wrong a lot. Uh, same with the Shining episode. Yeah, I kept say, saying that I thought his name was Delwyn Grady or Delward or Delbin and Dilbert. And I was coming up with all that. I wasn't even fucking close. Uh, Charles Grady is the name of the dude who killed his twin daughters in The Shining. So, yeah, I thought I would bring that up, you know, just because, you know what, I'm, I know I'm a fucktard, I know I can be a complete, you know, idiot sometimes, but sometimes there's mistakes I make in these podcasts that when they get pointed out to me or whatever, or even sometimes I notice them myself later, I'm like, man, you fucked that up, what were the fuck were you thinking? Anyways, I feel like I have to correct myself, I feel like I have to be human like that, um, because, you know, I'm not a Cyberdyne Systems Model 101, um, I do make mistakes, so yeah, I, I, I had to do that. So that's out of the way now. And one more thing, I did mention, I believe it was last episode, about the Lost Boys reboot and basically how I was avoiding it and all this other shit, and there was one fact that I can't believe I forgot to fucking bring up, and that is that we're turning the fucking Frog Brothers into the Frog Sisters. Why? There's no fucking good reason for that. There's absolutely none. I don't give a shit what fucking excuse CW comes up with. There is no reason to change the sex of the Frog Brothers to the Frog Sisters. Why? Because we can? Because we want to? Because it's the new PC thing to do? Fuck off. There, trust me, I'm a very open-minded person, okay? There's a lot of shit I can tolerate. I mean, I tolerate more shit than most people. Wait till I talk about Captain Marvel in a minute. But anyways, there is a lot of stuff I can deal with, but... There's no point to changing the Frog Brothers to sisters. I don't give a... No, there's no fucking good reason. I don't care. I don't care if we're trying to be more inclusive with our shows or blah, 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 whatever fucking PC excuse you're going to give me. There's no fucking reason for it. It could have been left as the Frog Brothers. There isn't... They're two dorky characters. Come on. Like, anyways... Just another reason why I'm going to be avoiding the Lost Boys reboot. And I, yeah, last episode when I talked about it, for some reason I forgot that point. Probably because I was already mad about it to begin with, so it is what it is. Um, how do I want to do this? Okay, so, I know, (laughs) this episode is called They Live. And in a very bad, tasteful kind of joke that I shouldn't be joking about, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, the next names I'm mentioning, they don't live anymore. Um, 
yeah, okay, I know, that, that was kind of shitty for me to say, and whatever, I'm going to hell for it, if you believe in hell, I don't, but anyways, <laughs> I believe hell is now, um, but no, uh, on a more serious note, and I'm not going to crack jokes about this, so, over the past two weeks since last episode, uh, yeah, celebrities, um, might want to start locking them up again. It kind of reminds me back when I was doing the Bats, Bows, and Books episode, uh, Bat, bleh, episode, podcast, Bats, Bows, and Books podcast. Uh, we had a, there was about a stint where uh, for about a good two, three months, it seemed like every episode I did, I was reporting another celebrity death. Um, I mean, granted, it, celebrity deaths are kind of weird because they affect us, but they don't. Um, they do for the simple fact that a lot of celebrities, we we pay a lot of attention to them. Like myself personally, I'm a huge music and movie nerd, right? So I follow a lot of actors. I follow a lot of musicians and shit like that. And so even though I don't know these people personally, I've never actually shook their hand or anything like that. You know, I don't go out and have a beer with them or whatever. At the same time, though, like, you know a lot about them. You feel like you know them, even though you usually don't. Um, so <laughs> I think it was like within a two day span, we had like five really big names just like, you know, shed the mortal coil and move off to the afterlife. And some of them were actually like affected me a little. Um, one in particular really did. Uh, I mean, okay. So Ted Lindsay, for those of you who are hockey fans, you know the name Ted Lindsay. He was a Detroit Red Wing back in the day. I mean, we're going way back in the day, even before my time. Um, I was a... Uh, my era of watching a lot of hockey was the Steve Eiserman era. Well, Ted Lindsay was before that, and he passed away. And so did Catherine Helmond, which those of you who are 80s kids like myself remember the show Who's the Boss. That's where we remember her most from. I mean, shit, she'd done a ton of fucking work. Great actress, but... I remember her from Who's the Boss, you know. And another 80s icon like King Kong Bundy. That was a big one. That, that, that one actually really shocked me because I, I hadn't heard his name in a bit. Like, I knew he was doing, like, the smaller circuits and whatnot. He's doing a lot of, uh, like, you know, cons and meeting fans and stuff like that, which is totally fucking awesome. But, yeah, like, he, you know, just kind of, like, it, it wasn't in the, the big spotlight anymore. And... I, I'm not going to lie, I kind of forgot about him a little, and then it was like, oh, hey, by the way, yesterday uh, these two passed away, and today this one passed away, and it was like King Kong Bundy, and that, that I found that one out at like 3, 3, 3.30 in the morning when it happened, like it was like right away, I, was, I just happened to be on social media and saw it, and I was like, oh, fuck, really? Looks like I need to watch WrestleMania 2 again, which is one of my all-time favorite WrestleManias, I actually have it on dvd um and then of course there was the two big ones the two big losses that um well i mean luke perry uh shit if you're an 80s 90s kid you you know luke perry luke perry was big i mean he did like buffy the vampire slayer fifth element uh he currently was on riverdale which i have been watching more or less i'm behind i think half a season but I always get caught up and sometimes I fall behind and then I, I skyrocket and get caught up and whatnot. Um, and I mean, he was, uh, he was on that show, Jeremiah, which I personally never saw, but I've 
been like I've had it recommended to me several times. So I don't know. Maybe one day it's something I I tackle. But I mean, it, as much as I when I think of Luke Perry, I think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The other thing I think about is nine hundred two one zero Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. That is um, when I was in high school. It was kind of like uh, we uh, we had these. Uh, there was like my family and then next door to us there were these three girls uh kathy anna and margaret and the three of them all watched 90210 and you know like me and a couple of my friends we would go hang out over at their place so it became like kind of a ritual in the whole high school years of 90210 i watched every you know every week when it was on so luke perry's been kind of like something that like I wasn't a huge fan of his, but it was like something that was very common in my life. Um, so yeah, finding out that he had passed away, at, I think what he was uh, 52 when he passed away. Uh, that was uh, quite a stinger. The real stinger for me was the other passing on the same day as Luke Perry, which was uh, Keith Flint from the band, the prodigy. The prodigy was something, um, I fuck. I still hadn't even seen them live. It was something that I'd always wanted to do. I probably won't now, obviously, for reasons pretty obvious. But yeah, um, the Prodigy was it, growing up like like you gotta remember in the nineties. I was in my you know late teens, early twenties to my mid twenties, and. So that's when, like, like the 90s especially, like, 90s music scene was, like, it was a time when you weren't embarrassed to turn on a radio, you know? Like, as a matter of fact, just today on my Spotify, I just made a, a 90s playlist that's uh, <laughs> over 500 songs long. Um, it's close to, like, 550, and that's grazing the surface. Like, I mean... I remember in the 90s, like, there was a lot of music I could just... I, I was never embarrassed to turn on the radio. The Prodigy were a big part of that, uh, especially their album, The Fat of the Land. We all know them for, you know, Breathe and Smack My Bitch Up, one of the most controversial songs in the 90s. And then there was The Firestarter, which, you know, that's that's Keith at his peak. Um, Firestarter can... Or Firestarter, sorry. Prodigy continued on, obviously, after that. I mean, they, they've had other albums. Um, uh, fuck, I'm never good with album titles. <laughs> I'm always, well, my favorite song by the Prodigy is uh, Run With The Wolves, obviously. I, that's that's a fucking kick-ass tune, man. Like, it's really good. And I do like the, the World's On Fire, uh, the live album. I love the version on there, which... One thing about Prodigy, their songs never varied much on stage because a lot of it was electronic right but it's the energy they brought and it's also technical difficulties whenever they had those you know and i've seen lots of performances online you know with prodigy and whatnot the best performances come from when they're having technical difficulties because then all of a sudden like the four guys on stage are forced to improvise and some other improv improvisations are the best shit they've come out with so as much as, yes, they're a digital band, they're an electronic band, everything seemed very simple and easy. Not when they had problems, which is usually when they had their best shit and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wanted to just kind of touch up on those five names because it seemed like it was all within like two to three days. And I was like, Jesus Christ, start locking them up again. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Um, 
So quickly, aside from that, uh, I did qu- I did say I was going to mention about Captain Marvel. So, okay, I saw it last night. And I went in with the attitude that I was going to hate this fucking movie because the trailers didn't catch my attention. The marketing didn't catch my attention. Brie Larson, I don't care for. I'm like, give me a reason why I'm going to like this fucking movie. But anyways, a friend of mine wanted to go see it. I've actually had my friend on this podcast before. Uh, we did the Critters episode together. You might remember him, Jeff. Um, he's like, let's go see Captain Marvel. Well, he and I are both on vacation. It's like, what the fuck? You know what? Why not? Let's get this one out of the way. Uh, it's Avengers Endgame that I'm worried about, but I'm like, hey, fuck it. I'll see Captain Marvel. And because, you know, there could be like that five minutes in the movie that, you know, help make sense in Avengers. So I was like, better go see it. I'm not going to lie. I went in wanting to hate this fucking movie. I felt like I was going to hate this fucking movie. Not a bad flick. I'm not going to fucking lie. It was, I mean, it, fuck, it's no Winter Soldier. It's no Guardians of the Galaxy. It's no Avengers film. Um, well, Age of Ultron was not that good. But, I mean, it depends. Each to their own, right? I mean, everybody has their favorite Marvel films. Whatever your favorite is, I'm sure it's not Captain Marvel because it's not their best outing. But is it bad? No. Um, is it, you know, shove it down your throat, feminism fucking crap? No, it's not. Um, and when I say feminism fucking crap, I'm talking about the bullshit you see on social media that is the, um, how do I explain this? It's not the true meaning if you know what i mean like it's it's the bullshit it's the the crap that we are making you think you are on the right track when you're not um if you're picking a side you're doing it wrong and that's that's something i'm going to talk about a little bit later but um no i it, it this movie did not force anything down my throat it did not sit there and make me you know want to gag except one scene there is one scene um, I'm not gonna. Should I spoil it? <laughs> no, I won't spoil it. Let me put it to you this way: I love '90s music. This movie takes place in the '90s. There is one song in this fucking movie I could have done without. Other than that, I'm not gonna lie. It's not a bad fucking movie, guys. It really isn't. It's interesting. It was fun. It's funny. There are some moments where I was like okay, yeah, I'm actually laughing right now. And this is coming from a guy who went into this movie expecting to not like it. Now, maybe it's because I had lowered expectations, so less disappointment. I don't know, but I didn't walk out disappointed. I didn't mind it. It's not the worst thing I've seen. Um, No, it doesn't belong on a horror podcast, which is why I'm putting it in my opening segment, and it's not a review. Uh, But honestly, I maybe a seven, six and a half, seven out of 10. It's not that bad. I mean, like I said, it's never going to be Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Never. And that is the pinnacle. In my opinion, that is the top fucking movie. You, It's going to take Marvel years before they top that one. Although Endgame could possibly top it. I'm, I'm going to leave that door open for that, but in my opinion. Keep in mind, my opinion, Captain Marvel, or Captain Marvel, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, and the first Iron Man are my three favorite Marvel films. 
that's not you know and, and that's not knocking the other ones because there's a shit ton of good ones but that's my top three and this is not those but it's not bad um so that's that I'll give my quick Lurker's recommendation and then we'll move on to the movie. Lurker's recommendation is why this podcast got recorded a day later than I intended because I had to finish it up. I've been watching The Order on Netflix. Okay, so it's my Lurker's recommendation, but I will say this. As rough as the first episode and a half i would say are and some of the acting is horrible make yourself get past that because once you get past that first episode episode and a half whatever it gets better and it gets progressively better um by episodes like four five six seven uh you're hooked um I did a rewatch of the final episode this morning just to make sure I got everything that I watched last night because I watched the last episode at like 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> but um, no, it, it's it's decent. I You can definitely see they set it up for a season two. So whether or not that's approved yet, I'm not sure. I will probably let you know that next episode because I'm sure by then they'll have announced whether or not we're getting a second season. But it's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. And I, I'll i say this. I originally went into it mainly to watch it because Catherine Isabel was in it. Uh, not not bad. Like, um, Sarah Gray is the lead female. She plays Alyssa. And I thought she looked familiar. I ended up looking her up. She was Stargirl on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So I... I after I saw that, I was like, huh, that's where I've seen you before. Um, Matt Frewer, uh, Max Headroom, is in this series. So he's 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 the highlight for me, in, in all honesty. Unfortunately, he's not in every episode, but the episodes he's in, he's, he's fucking awesome. I love him. I uh, didn't care f- so much for the lead male role uh, played by, I think his name is Jack Hanley. or Yeah, I think it's Jack Hanley. He's okay, but he's not. It, it, he wasn't my favorite by any means necessary. Um, I liked the other um, characters. I can't say a whole lot because I don't want to spoil this because I think everyone should watch it. So I'm not going to spoil anything. But the best way to describe it without giving anything away, and I really had to think about this, and even this, my description is not going to be that good, but it's. If you if you're thinking about it, think of kind of like a collegiate version of Harry Potter uh, meeting the werewolves from Underworld, and take that very loosely. <laughs> That's just the best way I can describe it without spoiling anything. Really, it's like I say, the first episode. God, I kept rolling my eyes. Like, are you seriously going down this path? But it gets a a lot better. So. That's my Lurker's recommendation for this week. And now it's time. It's time to try and do a review without getting too political, but I will get political because this movie is, it's it's a political statement. I mean, there's no way around it, right? But it's awesome. There's a lot of cool shit to talk about. 
And it's a listener request. Like I said, TJ the drummer, this one's for you. Uh, first off, though, we're going to drop the trailer. And then when we come back, it's time to obey, consume, and have no thoughts at all. Which, well, pretty much. Okay, the obeying part, eh, whatever. Um, the consuming, though, there's some of you consuming this shit. And the no thought part, don't worry. I got that under control. There's never a good thought comes out of my fucking head. But trailer first, and then we'll be back. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blinded us to the truth! Take a look. They are safe, as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are, or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them, they're everywhere! We have no other choice. I don't like this one. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business. Ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum. I have come to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I know. It's in the opening theme, but I'd be crazy not to fucking quote it. This movie has so many fucking golden quotes. Don't be surprised if I just like randomly throw them out as I'm doing this because this movie is awesome. But hold on one sec. So I did just see something got posted just within the last few minutes. So I'm just going to quickly, uh, I'll just read the headline. You'll figure it out from there. But Stephen King and Peter Straub's The Talisman is finally headed to the big screen. And if I read it correctly, Steven Spielberg will be helping with that. So that's pretty fucking cool. Um, Talisman shit. I read that say I was in grade 8 or grade 9 like I mean we're going way back might have been grade 10 I don't know I know I was it was close to my early teen years anyways it's a book that I'm probably now going to have to go back and read again I remember it was super huge and took me about a week to read because back then you know when you're young man you want to go out and party and shit you know yeah right I was a real party fucking nerd no I wasn't um I sat around and, you know, watched a lot of movies. That's what I did. Friday nights for me, it was never about going out. Well, I mean, sometimes I did, but not a lot. Friday nights was, 
exactly what you know you see on the internet all the memes and shit you know friday night was you know going to your local video store loading up on the popcorn and the horror movies and that's what you did for a friday night because honestly who cares to go to parties yeah right i enjoyed parties too i you know what it is i i should get to the fucking movie but you know what it is about parties and stuff like that like concerts okay i concerts i don't mind if i can't hear you know people talking to me because honestly shut the fuck up i don't want to hear you talk i want to watch the band on the stage but like when i used to go to like clubs or you know bars or whatever or you know parties when there's too many people around like i have really fucked up hearing it becomes like just like it's like the charlie brown teacher like that's what i fucking hear and so it's 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 one of those things where i I know it makes me sound very antisocial, but it's part of the reason why I say I don't like people because people like to all talk at the same fucking time and nobody wants to listen. They all just want to say things and it's annoying to me. But anyways, let's talk about this fucking movie because like, you know, that's the point of the podcast. Am I, am I right? Um, so again, I, I'm going to say it one more time because I like to like you know make people feel good. Uh, this is a listener request um, by TJ the Drummer. And uh, I'm glad he picked it because, I mean, like I said, it, it was bound to be an episode eventually, but I just seemed like I kept putting it off. And now I was like kind of like forced to do it, which is cool because... This is one of those moments where I was forced to do something, and I'm glad I was forced to do it. Uh, it's one of those, like, you know, like, submissive kind of things where I'm like, hey, I am your master. You are my master, and I am your subservient, or whatever. Um, okay. Anyways, They Live. It's a John Carpenter flick. Uh, it was directed by John Carpenter. Um, written by... Okay, so it's first off, it's based off of a, of a story called 8 O'Clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson. The screenplay was done by Frank Armitage. No, it wasn't. It was actually John Carpenter, but he changed his fucking name. Kind of like he did with Halloween when he did the music, but if you watch the, the, the beginning of the film, it said, or the, is it the beginning or the end? I forget where it is. But in the credits, it says the music on the original Halloween was done by the Bowling Green Philharmonic Orchestra. Wow, try saying that three times fast. Um... And actually, it was John Carpenter that did the music. So in this, the screenplay was, it says screenplay was written by Frank Armitage, but no, actually, it was John Carpenter. He just apparently didn't want to take all the credit because he did the music on this, too, with uh, Alan Howarth, um, which him and Alan did a they I think they still collaborate quite a bit. They did a lot of the soundtracks for, you know, John Carpenter's films in the 80s. Uh, possibly even going into the 90s, I think they were still working together. Or Alan would just take over projects that John wasn't doing anymore. Um, the film is produced by Larry Franco. It was released November 4th, 1988. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be... Oh, fuck. Was it October 13th? I think was the original release date they wanted. And they pushed it back to November 4th because John Carpenter decided he wanted to be a shithead and knowing that November 8th of 1988 was uh, you know the day of voting in the United States you know where people think their votes actually count um, yeah so he wanted to like cash in on that um, so he pushed this back to November 4th 
So it was just at the time when, you know, people would have politics on the brain and would be thinking, wait a minute, can I really trust these people? It doesn't matter if you do or you don't, they're getting in anyways. But that's besides the point. The runtime on the film is 94 minutes long. And the budget was $3 million. Uh, it grossed in total $13 million. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, it's considered a B-movie, right? So it's not going to, you know, it wasn't going to be like a, you know, a $100 million you know, movie or it's not going to break the billion dollar mark or whatever. So it is what it is. But I mean, it's 13 million is nothing to joke about, especially when they only spent 3 million, which I know I say only 3 million, but for movies, that's kind of cheap. Um, your starring cast, really, there's only about three that are really that important, but I, I wrote down a few of them anyways. Um, do I save the best for last or do I start with him? Ah, we'll start with him. So, Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper of the WWF Wrestling Federation. Yes, I said WWF because, all right, yeah, I know. Eventually, it would become WWE. But when he was wrestling in the 80s, it was the WWF Wrestling. I used to wake up every morning and watch WWF Superstars of Wrestling on fucking Saturday mornings. And I loved it. And I didn't care that there was two WWFs in the world. This is the thing. So the World Wildlife Foundation didn't like the idea of sharing the world, the WWF, you know, abbreviation with the world wrestling federation so world wrestling federation changes to world wrestling entertainment honestly does it matter but apparently it did because it got taken to court and it had all these legal fucking blah it was all a bunch of bullshit um whatever so yes roddy roddy piper came from wwf wrestling um and Okay, so his character's name, kind of interesting, because he never, if you really pay attention to the movie, he never says who he is. He's never addressed as by a, a specific name. But in the credits, he's credited as Nada, which Nada actually means nothing. So I guess he didn't have a name. Yeah, I guess there's something about also, and I should, I probably should have read the, you know, eight o'clock in the morning story before doing this but you know and sometimes i am lazy i'm not gonna lie uh i guess the the character's name in the book was george nada i think that's what it was <laughs> i could be correcting this next week but anyways um i'm not going to if i'm wrong i'm wrong but i believe nada was the last name of the character in the book i'm pretty sure i'm right on that and uh, so that's what they credited Roddy Piper's character as in this movie. Uh, Keith David. God, I love Keith David. He's so great. He was great in The Thing, you know. Uh, excellent. Oh, fuck. Don't even get me started on The Thing because that could end up being its own review in this fucking episode. Um, I can pretty much do that one off the back of my hand. One of the greatest of all time. But anyways, so Keith David as Frank. Uh, he's Frank. He's the guy. He's from Detroit. He's got a family, and you know he he wants to make a living out here, and you know he he doesn't want any trouble. He doesn't want any trouble. Um, and then there's Meg Foster as Holly, which Meg Foster to me was always Evil Lynn. Uh oh, did I just go there? Yes, I did. 
Masters of the Universe also came out. Uh, was it eighty seven or it was eighty seven? I think. I think it was right before this. Um, yeah, I think it was eighty seven. I don't think it was eighty nine. I don't think it came after this. I think it came before. But um, yeah, Meg Foster to me has always been Evil Lynn. And I know she's done other movies. And I know that you know everyone's like you know we all have our favorite movies that certain people start in. Well, for me, Meg Foster. As Evil Lynn, even watching this, I was like, that's Evil Lynn. That's not Holly, but her name's Holly in the movie, and we'll go with it, I guess. Um, George Buckflower was uh, credited as Drifter. Uh, I believe uh, he's the guy who's like, you know, um, I don't Wait a minute. What am I talking about? I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm fucking reviewing this goddamn movie. Um He's the one who's all like, you know, like, hey, you know, don't don't you think that sometimes we, you know, we should just let ourselves enjoy life a little and that and this and that. He's that guy. Um, Peter Jason uh, as Gilbert or as I like to say, Meatloaf. Uh, he's not Meatloaf, but he looked like Meatloaf. I mean, and Peter Jason's done a fuck ton of fucking acting. But aside from that, he's done. Uh, let's see. He did this. He did Prince of Darkness, uh, Ghosts of Mars. Uh, and there's one I'm forgetting. Let's just say he's worked with John Carpenter quite a few times. I know there's one I'm missing. Um, maybe I'll mention it next episode. Uh, or maybe I won't. Um, but yeah, Peter Jason, he's, uh, he's the dude who looks like a a skinny meatloaf. Um, well, not, I wouldn't say skinny, but he's not as big as meatloaf, you know, but he would do anything for you. No, I'm not going there. All right. Uh, two more names and then we'll move on to synopsis and shit synopsis and shit. I should call that an actual, uh, you know, segment on the show, but, um, Raymond St. Jacques, as the street preacher, he's the blind guy. He's the one that's like, even though my sight has been taken, the Lord has giveth me sight. Yeah, sure, bud. But <laughs> that's besides the point. He's that he's that guy. And um, finally, Jason Robards the third as family man, which I don't even know why I wrote that down because he's really not that important. But, you know, whatever. Um, okay, so synopsis am i not the greatest reviewer in the 21st century or what (laughs) it doesn't matter and half the time i can't remember why i wrote shit down fucking awesome all right synopsis a drifter discovers a pair of sunglasses that allow him to wake up to the fact that aliens have taken over the earth okay well the synopsis isn't wrong but that's not exactly what i would have said but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get to what I would have said anyways, because I got some notes here. Uh, I did a bit more homework this week, just so my episode didn't sound so fucking wonky. Um, okay, so what do I think about this movie? How do I feel about They Live? Well, let me say, ah, I love this fucking movie so much. You know, and actually it's funny because people... When it came out, okay, like, yeah, it. I believe the first week it was out, it was actually number one at the theaters. And then if I remember correctly, it dropped down and disappeared like nobody even knew it was there. Uh, myself, personally, I didn't see it in the theater the first time. It was a VHS rental, as, as most movies were. If it wasn't VHS, it was late night cable, let's put it that way. But this one I do remember actually renting. 
uh, because I saw Roddy Piper's name on it. I'm like, ooh, Piper's Pit. <laughs> All right, cool. Like, I mean, like literally, that's where my brain went. I was like, ooh, Piper's Pit. You know, like I was a wrestling nerd when I was a kid. You know. I, uh, Hulk, ah, no, I was not a Hulkamaniac. I liked Hulk Hogan, but I was not a Hulkamaniac. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts was one of my favorites when I was a kid. Bret Hart. Oh, I loved Bret Hart. Um, I loved it. Even, you know, when he was a heel uh, or if he was a hero, which was kind of funny because usually when he was the hero, he was still being a heel, but... Um, I always enjoyed him. I always enjoyed Bret Hart. Jake the Snake Roberts was one of my favorites. Um... I'm trying to think. What favorites did I have? British Bulldogs. I always liked them. Um, Demolition, obviously. And Roddy Piper. I always did enjoy Roddy Piper, I think, because I liked how crazy he was. And, you know, and in WrestleMania 3, you know, supposedly his retirement, which <laughs> never lasted. But I remember when he did, like, the haircut uh, match with Adrian Adonis. And I have that one on DVD, too, by the way. Um, yeah. But anyways, that's what pulled me in was the VHS. Just the fact that it said Roddy Piper on it. I mean, it had some like, you know, it had like, you know, cool imagery and shit like that. But I was like, Roddy Piper in a movie. I can do this. Um, so I granted I was pulled in by that right away. And then like I watched the movie and I'm not going to lie. The first time I watched it. It was an alien movie to me, which the alien design in this is fucking awesome. I do like the way the aliens look. It's, I love the way that the film does so much with so little. Like, I mean, at one point, what, what, six minutes of the fucking movie were filmed in a back alley when, you know, two grown men were beating the fucking shit out of each other. More on that in a moment. Um, but I, I loved how, like, they really the, the production value of this film is not something they had to spend a lot of money on. A lot of it was very basic, you know. Um, and then there's a quote like, "That's like pouring perfume on a pig." Uh, <laughs> I told you I'll be quoting this fucking thing um, because the quotes, the quotes. There's so many good fucking quotes in this fucking movie. Um, one part I did like about the film, and I thought it was kind of interesting because it, it kind of does two things at once the whole black and white look of you know the world when roddy roddy piper or frank or anybody uh excuse me uh puts on the, the the glasses the black and white look first off it's a nice throwback to the 50s alien flicks you know 1950s with the the flying saucers and the you know the very cardboard looking world and stuff like that. that part was kind of cool but i also like the fact that it gave it's kind of funny because the movie kind of does this reverse effect thing where everything that's in color is actually the fake world. Everything that's in black and white is actually the real world as we're not seeing it. Um, very interesting how that was done because like, you know, in, in most cases, like especially one of the greatest, you know, I don't want to say greatest movies of all time because it's not in my personal faves, but one of the greatest moments in film, you know, in cinema history is Wizard of Oz when it goes from black and white to color, you know, and it's kind of weird because when you think about it, the color is where the bulk of the story was, but the color is also the world that didn't really exist. And in this movie, they do the exact same thing. It's like the black and white is the real world 
as it actually is in the color world is the phony world, which if you think about it for a moment, you would assume it's the other way around, but it's not. And I like how they did that. And I I, I thought it, it was a cool like reverse effect that they did. You know, Carpenter was really paying attention to those details that, I mean, he's going to turn around and say, no, he wasn't, but he was. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, again, like the whole idea of the 1950s alien flicks with the flying saucers and, you know, there there's, um, oh, what, what's the one scene there where it's like um, he looks up and he's like, oh, are you reporting back to your buddies? Uh, oh, that that's not good. You know, mama don't like tattletales. And there's another good quote for you. But, um, and I mean, I, I, fuck, I, I have to say it. I have to say this. Carpenter's score. Again, you know, the the man. I you almost sometimes I I have to say this, and I I've always tried avoiding saying this, but I think I'm going to say it. I think John Carpenter probably is my favorite all time director, more so than Wes Craven. You know, um, and I love Wes Craven's work. I really do. It's usually come between the two of them, which one I admire more. And I honestly think John Carpenter is my favorite. Toby Hooper's up there, though. Uh, But I think Carpenter, because of the fact that he not only directs, he not only writes, he not only produces, but he does his own fucking music, and he does it so well. The music in this... (laughs) It's like every other score he's done. It, In my opinion, it's perfect. And yes, I know, I probably sound like I'm sucking this man's dick way too fucking hard. But I just, you can't, how can, you can't go wrong. And like, They Live was so, it was kind of different. Because we saw it, it wasn't as much like techno or digital or synthwave. This was kind of different. Like, there actually had like a... Um, like a homegrown, like American sound to the music, which worked so well. Um, you know, you look like your head fell in the cheese dip back in 1957. Just thought I'd tell you that. Um, but yeah, like the score, I always talk about the music and Carpenter's score for this. Um, you've heard bits of it already. Um, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. <coughs> eh. I have a bit of a dry throat, guys. I know I've been sucking his dick so much, but you'd think you know my throat wouldn't be dry. I'm not going there. I probably already just did, but whatever. Fuck off. Okay, so the political themes of this film are like huge. And like it does not hide it. It's not it it's fucking smacking you in the goddamn face, is what it's doing in this movie. And I love it. I know. So when it came out in 88, it was supposed to be, you know, a, a critical standpoint, you know, of the whole Reaganomics, uh, you know, the political agendas of Ronald Reagan. But let's be honest here. Okay. Let's be fucking honest. This goddamn movie is a political commentary of any time within what? The last 60, 70 fucking years. Come on. Consume, obey, have no thought, be a cog in the machine. This is; these are things that have been going on since 
Jesus, before I was even fucking born. Like, it's going on today. It's still going on today. You heard me earlier in the episode. I said, you know, I kind of like threw out a, a, a blurb where I said, if you're picking a side, you're doing it wrong. Um, uh, I'm not going to go way too political in this because Jesus Christ, I'll never stop once I start. But I guess the way I've always approached things, this is how I look at things. I know people look at things differently and I'm open to all interpretations. I'm not shitting on anyone, but I've always looked at it that, you know how they always tell you, you know, don't sit on the fence. Don't stand in the middle, pick a side. I think that's the worst thing you could do because you're not paying attention to both sides. Um, both sides are right. Both sides are wrong. Uh, there are good points that come out of all sides and there's bad points that come out of all sides. Um, as a matter of fact, there's even a quote in this movie where he says something about, I like to just drive down the middle and he says the middle is the worst place to drive. It is for the fact that you're going to get shit on from all sides as well. But I've always kind of felt that this world tries to dictate how we think. And this movie does a very good job of pointing that out. That is why I have always said I'm a little left of the middle, which, yeah, all right. So maybe it's a shitty way to live, but it's gotten me through first off. Secondly, I don't think I'm above anyone. I don't think anyone should think they're above me. And that is something that this movie also kind of points out that these aliens, you know, they they have come to Earth and they want to invade and they think they're better than us and they are trying to fool us. And it almost works um, until, of course, you know, then we go all sci-fi in this movie where like, you know, oh, if I kill this fucking antenna array, you know, all of a sudden the, the world will be seen as it actually is. If only it were that fucking easy. Um, <laughs> seriously, I'd be on a fucking mission to destroy that antenna array. But it's not that easy. There's a lot of shit that we don't know. There's a lot of shit I don't know. That's why I, I think I tend to, like I say, I stay you know left of the middle. Um, I'm a little bit more open-minded than most people would like me to be. And I am not afraid to think for myself, which includes saying that Captain Marvel was a good fucking movie. Um, I'm sorry I had to say that just because I... Whatever. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot of shit on the internet. People, you know, bad-mouthing it and whatnot. And I know brother, life's a bitch, and she's back in heat. I get it. But um, I just needed to find a way to cue that one in there, you know? Um, whatever. Uh, Captain Marvel really, you know, had nothing to do with this. I was just trying to think of a way. I'm like, how do I get that quote in there? Um, you know, we could be pets, we could be food, but all we really are is livestock. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Um, hmm. I gotta say two things. Number one, Meg Foster's eyes. Um, hello. God damn that woman's eyes. And I, you know, I used to wonder if they were contacts, but she has the, her eyes looked exactly the fucking same in Masters of the Universe. So I, God damn, those are some nice eyes. Um, and then of course, the fight between Roddy Piper and Keith David. You know, Nada and Frank. Holy Jesus Christ! God, I love that fucking fight okay so for those of you who may have not heard the story most people have so i know i'm just you know 
telling you shit you already fucking know. But so that whole fight with Roddy Piper and Keith David, they practiced that for what three weeks before filming. They practiced it. Uh, I want to believe it was John Carpenter's office or something like that. They they basically like choreographed the whole thing. Now in the movie, it's supposed to be like twenty seconds long. Uh, almost what five six minutes later, and the whole fight's in there. Um, it's one. It's fucking priceless. Jesus, you can't say anything else but that. It's fucking priceless. It's hilarious. It's fun. The whole time, and to this day, and I've been watching this movie for, what, 30 years almost, at least, uh, if not more, and I still get excited watching this fight, and I'm still, like, cheering, and I've got my arms in the air, and I'm like, woohoo, all right, fucking awesome, and holy shit, that's gotta hurt, and stuff, and I mean, like, come on. I know that, like, you know, there was certain... I believe there is something that I read or I heard somewhere that, like, some of the ground was padded for when they would hit the ground and whatnot. But, you know, a lot of that fight, they didn't hold back. You know, except for, like, the groin... What was it? The groin hits and the face punches or something like that. They, like, kind of held back on those. But kudos to both men for, like, fucking working on that to make that scene. It was supposed to be 20 seconds long, and they spent three weeks choreographing it and then gave us that. And Carpenter's just like, leave it all in. Fuck it. Fans will love it. And of course, it's kind of interesting because They Live is kind of like the Halloween 3. Um, It's got got that, the whole idea of when it came out, everyone hated it. Years later, it's now a cult hit. Um, Because Halloween 3, regardless of whether or not you fucking agree with me, and I know a lot of people don't, but Halloween 3 is a fucking gem. Some of us knew that years ago. Most of you caught on now. Um, but yeah, this was the same thing. This, I, it's kind of one of those things where like it, it ages so fine, like a red wine. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's fucking great. Um, yeah. Uh, IMDb gives this movie a 7.3 out of 10 to me. Almost feels like a fucking crime, but that's pretty good considering IMDb because, like, I, I've seen, I've seen movies get a lot worse ratings that didn't deserve it. I've seen movies get a lot better ratings that didn't deserve it. Um, if okay, so I'll put this out there because I kind of cracked the joke earlier. Uh, the whole Captain Marvel thing. Captain Marvel currently is standing at a seven point one. It's point two beneath this. This movie is a lot better than Captain Marvel, okay? So that's where like when I when I when I looked that up and I'm like, really? Like 7.3 is like pretty harsh in my opinion. Um now Rotten Tomatoes though has it at 85% approval rating. That makes a little bit more sense. I can't believe I'm agreeing with Rotten Tomatoes. But yes, 85%, anything that's 85 or higher, I'm good with. I think uh when you go on Google, when you search They Live, it says like 93% of Google users approve this. Yes, that makes sense to me. 7.3 was rough. I was like, ugh, god damn. Like, seriously, how can you not fall in love with a movie taking shots at the shitty political climate that we've always been slaved into? Honestly, like, think about it for a moment, okay? Like, uh, I don't know. For me, my rating... 
Do I have to say it? Of course, I'm going to say it anyways. Right? I mean, I'd be wrong. Not to. The movie's a fucking 10. Okay? It's a 10. And I love TJ for requesting it. Thank you so much, TJ, for requesting this. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. It's... I can honestly say I feel kind of good about this episode. This one was kind of... It's kind of fun. Didn't feel... You know, I've never told you guys this, but some of the episodes that I do, I feel like anxious like i get like anxiety sometimes recording these things this one was fun to record i think it's because i love this movie i love what it stands for i love the fact that it's yeah it's dated a bit but it's timeless in its own way um i should quickly mention so there is talks about a remake and i know matt reeves was actually supposed to be the director for it possibly even the writer for it and the last we heard anything about that was, I want to say 2012, or 2011, or something like that. Anyways, it's been a while, and I honestly hope they never remake it. Problem is, is that, of course, like, Jason Bloom and his little Bloomhouse productions, don't get me wrong, they pump out great films, I'm not knocking them. But they're talking about doing like a bunch of remakes, and I have a feeling eventually we're going to hear a report about this one being done too. But I don't know. I mean, we are at a political time in the world where a movie like this could actually benefit some people, or it would get discredited as being Hollywood shit and nobody would pay attention to it. So tough to say. But, anyways. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, TJ, the drummer. You can find him on Instagram. Thank you for requesting this. I'm so glad that someone kind of like forced my hand and made me do it. I was like, good. You know, at that, and that's what I want. That's the kind of, um, it, it, that, those kinds of recommendations. A film that you guys know I should do, and it might seem like I put it off for whatever reason, whether a new release came out or I decided I wanted to go full 80s or full 60s or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, if there's a movie you guys want, fucking request it. Don't be afraid to. Um, I, I've, I've made it very clear. There's only one, possibly two films I would never do, and that is a Serbian film and Cannibal Holocaust, maybe, simply for the fact that I don't want to justify a movie that killed real, like, really killed animals. But... I know there were others. I know that there's other films that have done it too. So someone says Cannibal Holocaust. All right, fine, I'll do it. But a Serbian film, no. Um, but yeah, feel free. Feel free to request. And you know what? You can you can email me at you know what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com. Do it that way. Uh, you can go on what lurks behind podcast zero.com. and you know it. There's a, a spot in the menu that says contact. Click on that. Send me a message. You know what? Uh, do it on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero. Um, Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero. It's not hard. Twitter, you know, Twitter. Uh, it's uh, what is it? Um, Twitter.com slash what lurks. Uh, no, not what lurks. WLB podcast underscore zero. That is the Twitter handle. Um, of course. Now, don't forget, there is the next level network. Dot com. You can go there. That's where you're going to find the episodes. That's where you're going to find all the info. There will be bios and everything. There's every other podcast on there that's in the network as well. I mean, go there. Do it. Like, 
A lot of you guys that listen to this are like big comic book nerds too, right? DC Primetime is a weekly, and trust me, they're weekly. They don't fuck around. They're not like me who's like Mr. Oh, fuck, man, I broke a nail. I can't do a podcast today. No, like, (laughs) they are on the fucking ball every week talking about Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. They talk about, you know, different DC movies. There's DC news every week. I can go check them out, man. Like, Caffeine Crew. Oh, my God, I love these guys. Just released a new episode. They're talking about 80s and 90s cartoons. Hello. That's like half of my fucking listener base. Like, you guys like love that shit. Go check them out, man. Nextlevelnetwork.com. Um, this episode, this podcast is found there too at nextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero. You know, like you can find the, obviously you can find the episodes on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Podcast Addict. Um, there's so many different ways to find this podcast or to contact me. Feel free to do so. Um, I, I think I've talked more than enough. Uh, I know I'm doing a lot of ums now because I'm like, um, kind of fucking um stupid, but uh, <laughs> I will announce what the next episode is. And then we are going to skedaddle out of here to some combi crazed. But uh, yeah, so next episode is kind of another listener request uh, we will go by his twitter account as well which is justin Voorhees. uh yeah so he requested you guys are gonna love this one and i'm doing it because you know what this movie is batshit fucking crazy next episode is ninja 3 the domination from 1984 i'm not fucking lying that's what he requested and i'm doing it because, you know, it's... No, it's not... Ho- why well, it's horrible. Uh, maybe. Um, it's going to be fucking fun to talk about, though. And when he requested it, I was like, Man, you know what? I got to do it. So, that's the next episode. Next episode is Ninja 3, The Domination. But now, Postmortem Paul bids you adieu. I know, I never announced who I was at the beginning of this episode, did I? Ah, uh, you guys know by now. But anyways, it's time to bid you adieu and let Combi Christ... Uh, Combi Christ released a new single called Hate Like Me. And you know what? I love it. It's... Okay, like, lyrically, <laughs> if you are a fan of Combi Christ, you know that they're not known for being, you know, lyrically inspirational and shit like that. But it's their beats. It's their sound. It's their fucking driving force. And this one's... This, this new single's got a fucking great driving force. I figured it was a nice way to go out. So, I'm going to shut up and let Andy and the boys take you home. Talk to you later, guys. I'm here to tell you something you won't like. You fucking hate it, there is nothing left inside Empty threats pouring out of the wounds Used to be a fucking star Look at you now Together as one crew again